Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. This is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from the same place we were talking to you from last month. We're still hunkered down in no Rio bubbles. Grande Valley in southern <laughs> Texas. Yes, we're totally sober this time. Uh, and much more calm. And unlike our usual frenetic approach yes. to RVing, we have been sitting in this same spot for a whole month, feeling positively staid and, and boring. Should, and you should see the holes that we put into the asphalt with the jacks. <laughs> <laughs> the RV just keeps sinking down. This puppy is heavy. And so in some ways I would say we've been living a life very similar to the life we live at home in the summer in because the summer. we've been able to go outside and play tennis and golf and go to the pool. And, 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 and we've been amazed um, at the weather down here because it started off kind of chilly, but of course nothing like it is at home. And then we've had these continuous stream of storms that go across and they cross Texas and they just kind of across the north and they leave us with good weather here in the deep deep south of Texas we did have one long weekend of below freezing temperatures and of course for people down here this is a calamity not only are some of them mm-hmm. farmers yes, and they worry about their crops but because this kind of cold is so rare down here people have <laughs> poorly insulated homes if at all and pipes and all sorts of stuff and um, you know the hardware stores sold out on space heaters you, know, you we kind of laughed because we just put on our winter clothes again like that we'd worn down here but for people here this was a real shock to the system but it did but overall last, it, it has, didn't last the weather has long. been nice and it once again reinforces the reason why we we come so far south this is the longest we've ever stayed at a single place um and we're actually staying a couple more weeks because we don't think the weather is good enough to go traveling and we made some plans to leave in two weeks and um, go to a big bend national park which Ooh, isn't that much excitement. further north but every time we look at the weather reports there we think, oh, should we stay here a little longer? So I don't know what you have in a motorhome, but I do have itch, hitch, so I'm hoping that... Itch, itch. Hitch, itch. 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 So I'm hoping that the weather uh, will improve in Big Bend and we won't regret leaving here because I'm ready. Yeah, but, you know, it, it, you can see why people come down here year after year after year and... Everything is, is interesting down here because you get a name tag and then you get these little dangle doodads that show how many, <laughs> how years, many years you've been, you've been here. Down here. And there are people in this park that have been coming here for literally over 20 years. It's quite amazing. And you can see why they do. I mean, this month is has been very easy. It's, it's easy to be complacent to, to sit here. And the park has an activities director and you walk, um, you know, a couple hundred feet and you're entertained and wined and dined and they have uh, dancing and shows, shows meals, and people playing cards and lectures and dances and get-togethers of, of every which way and sort. The Illinois get-together and then the Newmar get-together and then the Banana Street. We live on Banana Street. Banana Street. All the streets are named after fruits, <laughs> A, B, C, D. So we're really on B Street. And we are bananas. <laughs> 
so it, it, you can see why people come down here because it's you can become so complacent and just let things happen and you just kind of do what you want to do and and uh, nothing really bothers you. And it starts to feel like home, especially when you have all your stuff with you, which yes. is what we love about RVing anyway. And we've enjoyed our golf clubs and our bikes because they go on a nice activities. They go on a 20-mile bike ride. And then we have the fabulous breakfast bike ride. Where you ride two miles <laughs> to the restaurant. But it's unbelievable because in total there are probably 200 people who go on the breakfast bike ride. To three different restaurants. Yeah. They're split up among three. And there are no bike lanes um, or bike paths. <laughs> so we just kind of take over the local street. And, and things that we just couldn't expect at home. And the Never locals kind of honk and wave. They don't seem very annoyed by all of us here because they know we're bringing a lot of money to what otherwise is a fairly poor part of the country. Yeah, Winter Texans, which is what uh, our group of people uh, is called this segment of the population, are really very welcome down here and there's all sorts of Winter Texan stuff. There's two magazines that come out that have more than 40 or so pages of activities per week and then there's the Parks newsletter, which is 30 pages long, with the activities for the month in this particular RV park. We hardly have found time to talk to you, dear listeners. Uh, We've been so busy. But we have, of course, of course, we would never leave our listeners off in the lurch just because we have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> or we're too busy doing nothing. I guess maybe that's what it really is. <laughs> we don't want to forget uh, our contact information. The listener comment phone is 815-230-0772. Not very heavily used, but uh, if you'd like to give us a call and leave us a comment, a shout out, please do so. We would love to hear from you. But I have uh, posted several new photos to the RV Rigs page, and that's exciting to uh, see what you're what you're traveling in to share with all of our listeners. And I do enjoy getting your emails and good ones and bad ones, commenting uh, on some of my. You got some bad ones. Well, corrections, shall we say? We made mistakes. Oh no. <laughs> Mr. DNS here. So anyway, being in the Valley has, has been a lot of fun, and one of the things that we um, that we like about it is, is that it's very cost-effective to stay here. We're pay- spending about $650 a month, which comes out to $20.01 a night. <laughs> Plus electricity. Plus electricity. We don't know what that will cost yet. But that's pretty reasonable for camping. For the valley, that's fairly expensive. We're, on we're, the high we're kind of, we're we're kind on of the surprised. Posh part of the valley. Because we have gone to several activities where there have been many other winter Texans, and they immediately start talking about how much rent they pay. And there are people staying here for 250 a month. That's amazing. And you're saying, well, why would you, Ken and Martha, stay in the 650 a month park? Well, we like all the activities that yes. are available here. And this park is very well organized. It's and a very nice the pool. The people who happen to stay here are very friendly and the sites are reasonably spacious we mm-hmm. don't feel crowded at There's all because trees. the park is not full yeah but even if it were full it's it's reasonable Yes, and I think that's uh, you, you, there's a wide variety of parks, and you can choose how much you want to pay based on the amount of activities that you want. If you just want to literally come and sit or travel to go to activities, that's very easy to do. But one of our listeners posted a note on her blog about a park she's staying in in Florida that sounded very similar yes, to yes. this one, and she's paying three times as much as we are? At least. Uh, we looked it up, and it was uh, over $1,500 a month, and we're going to go there next year. 
year. We'll give you a full report of the differences are next year. Well, uh, today we have a lot of, actually quite a lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about the Valley RV Show. We have a wonderful interview with um, some friends who have actually bought a camp lot down here in the Valley. And have probably been full-timing longer than anybody else we know. So you'll be interested to hear their perspective on why they're here in the Valley and why they have chosen to buy something rather than just rent like us. And we have uh, some music to play for you and, well, various other interest and sundry stories that we've collected over the month to chat with you about uh, the RVing world. Elkhart area seems to be recovering nicely, and we see actually sales going up. But we'll get to that in a minute. But we have, of course, our couple of funny stories here. You want to do the Darwin Award? No, no, I can't do that. It makes me sick. <laughs> uh, Ken got an email from somebody uh, with this runner-up in the Darwin Awards, which um, honor those among us Evolutionary who are least evolved. Um, and here it goes. When a man attempted to siphon gasoline from a motorhome parked on an Atlanta street, he got much more than he bargained for. Police arrived at the scene to find a very sick man curled up next to a motorhome near spilled sewage. A police spokesman said that the man admitted to trying to steal gasoline, but he plugged his siphon hose into the motorhome's sewage tank by mistake. Oh, God. The owner of the vehicle declined to press charges, saying it was the best life he ever had. So... Know your ins and outs on your RV. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a novice, don't mess with it at all. And then we have this other story about this, This uh, and this is, has a video link to go with it, which, of course, you can find on our website, on the webpage uh, for this month's episode. Wow, you know, we're coming up to four years. Wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> It has been an exciting four years in the life of the RV navigator. <laughs> well, I think it's that we keep hearing from people yeah. that keeps us going. Yes, indeed. That's it's made a, it fun. Yes, that certainly does. And this is about a guy, a couple of guys who, who took an old bus, built what looks like a very nice RV on the inside that has a wood heater, a fireplace. And a music recording and a music studio. Restudi- re- music recording studio. So these are young guys at the beginning of their lives, not golden oldies like us. But and they're trying to live green. It's it's a very attractive RV inside. Uh-huh. I think it helped that all one wood. of their dads was a boat builder, and they mm-hmm. got all this scrap wood. And but you're going to want to take a look at that. It's a 40 foot long and you know 13 foot tall vehicle and. It's a neat video. It has a neat yeah has a neat look to it. So uh, that that'll be interesting to see. And uh, shall we? Well, let's talk about enjoying yourself. Well, as we mentioned, one of the things we like here in the Valley is that there's so much entertainment going on, and there are acts of various sorts that circulate among the campgrounds, and one of our favorites is a couple named Bernie and Red, who are British um, nationals who now live in Canada, about our age, and each year they come to the Valley with a new act, and it always is... uh, a laugh and musically very yes, interesting, yes. and, and uh, inexpensive. They opened the show in our campground this year with a song that really um, hit the nail on the head as far as we yes, were concerned. Indeed. It's called "Enjoy Yourself." It's later than you think, and I think we'll take a minute to listen to it and listen to the words carefully because uh, they really have a lot of meaning. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wing. Enjoy yourself. 
Enjoy yourself, it's later than you think Work and work for years and years, you're always on the go. Oh, yeah. You never take a minute off, you're too busy making dough. Someday you say you have your fun when you're a millionaire. Imagine all the fun you'll have in your old rocking chair. So enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. You're gonna take that ocean trip, you take it, come what may. You got your reservations, but you never get away. Next year for sure you'll see the world you really get around But how far can you travel when you're six feet underground? So enjoy yourself Let me hear you. It's later than you think Oh yeah Enjoy yourself While you're still in the pink The years go by As quickly as a wink Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. And I think we have uh, embraced that. I think some of you maybe have gotten an email from me with the signature on it that says, Adventure Before Dementia. And we certainly believe in that. This song kind of promotes that idea that you better enjoy yourself while you can because you don't know how long it's going to last. And and we found another very interesting article that talks about uh, the word retire. Because uh, I think if you look the word up in the dictionary, it just kind of makes it sound like you're sitting down and fading away. And certainly um, our baby boom generation and a lot of these people here in this park who are much older than we are, are, are not retired at all. They're just not doing the work that they used to do which earned them a salary um, and how important it is to find something that keeps you um, interesting and enjoyable and makes the time pass. Retire means to withdraw, move back, or go to bed. It sounds so passive. The changes are, chances are that you will live another 20 years after retirement and perhaps more. Some prefer the term third-agers. That's that's nice. They define it as we are grown-ups who are still growing. Growing and learning is a lot more positive than withdrawing. In any case, leaving your job at the end of your working life can mean stepping out of your comfort zone for many. Life will be lived differently, and it can be a time for adventures and activities only dreamed about before that. I think that's our attitude about life, and we hope that we have uh, kind of passed that along to you. We are frequently out of our comfort zone, and that our retirement has been one adventure after another, things that we didn't really expect. But that's the way we wanted it to be. And these are things that we thought about doing for years long before we had the time to do them. So uh, I think a good retirement requires some planning. 
It doesn't just happen to you. Most of those people who choose an RV retirement lifestyle are not passive people. They are active. If not at the top of their physical form, they are still curious and want to see new things. It can be uncomfortable at times. It can mean traveling more by the seat of your pants, adding some spice to your life. Where will we end up tonight? This place looks interesting, so let's stay longer. That's one thing that I find we spend so much time figuring out where we're going to go next, <laughs> when we're going to go, how we're going to get there. Will it all work? Uh, we just spent, I think, two hours last night mapping out the next two weeks. As you look to those years after work, possibly 20 or 30 years, think about what you will be retiring to. How can you step out of your comfort zone and engage in life? Will it be an RV life in your future? It is a vehicle to an exciting life. Yeah, that's a nice article. I like that. And certainly in RV parks, I can't think of a time when anybody ever asked me what I used to do for a living. Uh, They might ask you where you're from, although they can usually tell that from your license plate. But then they're going to talk about where they've been, where they're going, where have you been, where are you going, fun ways to spend the day. And we had a very nice, uh, engaging conversation from one of our neighbors here who uh, has been to Big Bend National Park, which is our next big destination. And he had uh, an outline, a multiple-page outline about uh, things to do there and tips and tricks and how to see uh, make take your best advantage of your time while you're there. So that was, uh, that was quite nice, and it's enjoyable to, to meet people like that. We have also been to the local RV show, and, of course, this is kind of an interesting time in the RV world. We did go to this show when we were here three years ago, and it was noticeably smaller. Um, This time. Yes, not surprisingly so, but it was. There were some kind of interesting things there, and several of you have have taken the time to tell me that you're going to RV shows in your local area, and I would love to hear about that. And we'll kind of use this as a starting off point. I think January, uh, the cold months, are usually the beginning of the RV shows. I think one of the things we saw there that was exciting was the, the mobile suites. The mobile suites fifth wheels have always been known as um, kind of the top. and these were in the hundred thousand dollar range but the, the for the first time i saw on the mobile suites a hydraulic leveling system i think one of the things we like about the motorhome this one is is that when we put the jacks down and, and it's parked it's very stable you know you can walk around on the inside and it doesn't shake back and forth it doesn't the springs don't squeak like the fifth like our fifth wheel did and I think that's a common problem with fifth wheels, plus the fact that leveling a fifth wheel from side to side is quite difficult. So if you have hydraulic jacks, though, and this one has a set of six. Sounds expensive. Sounds very expensive. But it has six jacks so that it can level and stabilize this uh, the mobile suites very well, I would think, and it should be very, very steady once you're on the inside. And that's that's a definite plus feature and something to look for if you're shopping for a fifth wheel. I was also shocked, well, not shocked, but surprised that they had um, frameless windows. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. They look funny. Like, it, it could be dated after a few years too if they don't become yeah. what everybody. And this just one had has. the had the decals right over the windows and and, the, and they had perforations so you could see out from the inside. But it would give you some. But privacy, from the outside, maybe. it looked like it didn't have any windows. Yeah, kind of weird. 
I was surprised, but it makes sense to see so many <coughs> Class A motorhomes for sale that were less than a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, um, shocking! And, and that makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because it enables people to still have the RVing lifestyle without shelling out so much well, money. Well, we want to mention that that wasn't their list price by any means, but there were several, probably two thousand nines there, mm-hmm. that were under. $100,000, and the one I'm looking at right here was 89000 for a brand-new 30-some-odd-foot motorhome, and that's whew, that's amazing. That and you know, can, when I look around the one we're in, which, remember, we bought used, it has Corian countertops. You don't need that. Nice, solid wood cabinets. You don't really need that. And um, if it's a choice between those finer things and not going at all, I'd be very happy on a, on a less expensive motorhome because that's... Still let you go. Speak for yourself. I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> I said I'd be very happy. You don't you don't you would give up the Korean and the if the if the question was can I go in an R V or do I have to stay home? Okay. That's the question. All right. So we saw other things there. Um, I've never seen it at an RV show, but they had dune buggies. But And there's lots of dune buggying around here, I think. And farther west, too. And farther west. Uh, you know, the ATV, but really souped up ones, which was quite interesting. And then we saw a full wall fifth wheel made by Jayco. It was kind of weird looking. Uh, most full wall slides, that when the slide came out, it, it, it the full wall was up and over the bed. Or the tongue, bedroom, where the tongue part of it is, the part that goes over the bed of the truck. Yeah. When you were on the inside, it kind of provided some interesting space issues because when it came in, I don't think you could get up into the bedroom. No, no. Which, I'm, it seemed like a gimmick to me. I yeah. Don't I don't know about if that's such a good idea for a fifth wheel. Yeah. But it, I, it gave a lot of extra storage space on the inside, but the pathway to the bedroom was definitely blocked when the slide was in, which we always have, when we had our fifth wheel, was was we enjoyed having the bedroom available right not because we were sleeping but because you could actually get at your clothes and then we found a a travel trailer that actually had the door in the back what's the advantage of that do you think i don't know <laughs> but it's an unusual yeah well, it has they, slide they, and then a door do in the back different floor plans for different people yeah, yeah it's a matter of taste but i think overall the thing we saw was uh, these small economically to tow trailers and economical to purchase also these little tiny ones and you know teardrop if you're going to be just somebody who is interested in sleeping in it and um, doing some basically living outside then i think it's a, a very viable way to do rving and for families who only can go for two weeks a year why shell out a lot of money it's very practical to go that way. Exactly. So that was the uh, RV show. Not too many new gizmos and gadgets. Too bad. Well, and Things being down here, not, we're limited. The, the RV show also had a lot of what I would call mobile homes because a lot of the people who stay in our campground stay in a mobile home, which probably only travels on the street from the dealer to the <laughs> campground, and then they yeah. Uh, well, they're not put, even designed put for skirting real, over for it, and that's towing. the end of that. So we saw a lot of those too. Uh, this is the first chance I had to actually use my satellite dish outdoors. Um, I purchased a tripod for the big 5 LNB satellite dish for the DirecTV. Even though we already have a satellite dish well, on, yeah, the but that's on the roof. But Some of this us was, wonder why we need two. But. And this one does high definition. And as long as you're going to be here for a month, you may as well put up the high definition. But it has worked good. Uh, it's worth it if you have DirecTV. You can, you can get one of these dishes and have high definition right in your motorhome. If you care. And I, there are several around here. Well, certainly people have walked by and stopped and chatted about them. Yes, indeed. That's one of the nice things about being out here. 
Next topic should be diesel engines. I've been shocked that there is such a change uh, in the diesel engines again. You know, we went to the ultra-low sulfur, ultra low sulfur diesel recently. fuel very recently, yeah. In 06, and, 07? Yeah, exactly. And now I find that... Uh, they're making another huge change in the uh, EPA requirements for emissions on diesel engines, which is requiring another huge change. Is that going to make diesel more expensive again? It has nothing to do with the fuel this time. It has to do with the engine. So it'll buy, make buying the diesel engine yeah. in your RV more expensive. Right. And not only that, but uh, more complex to maintain and, dr- and dramatically more expensive to purchase. So um, my recommendation is that, uh, you know, if you're thinking about buying a diesel or, or a motorhome, whether it be a sprinter type, the small ones, or the Class A type that we have, that you better get out and buy it before they run out of uh, 2009 chassis because um, there's a major hassle with this. Is this going to affect 18-wheel? Too? Affects everybody, everybody with diesels, yeah. The 2010 diesel emission standards go into effect in January, in other words, the, last month. They will drive motorhomes emissions to near zero. In some instances, the exhaust coming from a new diesel may be almost cleaner than the air that it takes in. Wow. But the benefit is not without its costs. Class A diesel retail chassis prices, for example, will increase about ten to fifteen thousand dollars, wow. depending on the model and depending on the after-treatment technology. Customers will also have to get used to periodically filling a new diesel exhaust fluid tank, in addition to their regular fuel tank. And what if you don't? The thing stops. Ooh, that would help you remember. Well, it could cause you some big problems. Diesel chassis engine manufacturers, with the exception of Navistar and its workhorse custom chassis, have opted for a selective catalytic reduction, SCR technology, with its significant after-treatment equipment to meet the standards. That includes the Freightliner, Costa, and Cummins, and Spartan, and blah, 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 blah. SCR treats the NO2 emissions with a non-hazardous diesel exhaust fluid, DEF, a chemical called urea, to reduce the, uh, the nitrogen and water as it passes through the after-treatment catalyst system. The bottom line is you've got to have a tank for this urea stuff. And but, but it's good for the environment. Yeah, but ten to ten to fifteen thousand bucks to buy an extra to buy a diesel engine, and you have to buy this stuff just like you buy fuel because it's going to be used up. But if you were living in Micronesia and your island was about to disappear in the melting ice water, I don't know why this has to be put on the back of diesel people. I don't think our exhaust is any bad. Yeah, worse that was my next else. question. How will that compare to the auto emissions? Gas anyway. Emissions? <clears throat> On smaller motorhomes, of course, the, one of the issues is where do you put this extra fluid tank because it has to be uh, several gallons. Oh, that would take up a lot of space then, wouldn't Bingo. it? Bingo. Oh, that's not good And either. on your motorhome, you're going to have to carry this stuff in order to replenish, f- the, replenish tank. the tank. I mean, can you go to Walmart and buy a fluid? No, no. Because we have to buy a fluid because our... No, no, no. We, we don't have to. That's it, The engine won't stop running because of that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're going to hear that Navistar doesn't use this, but their system has not been approved yet, so they don't really make anything that they're going to plan to do without this urea stuff. But it's still going to be a hassle because they have to do something, and it's going to cause engine um, increased engine heat and loss of uh, horsepower. 
So the the Sprinter tank, which is 7.4 gallons of capacity, is large enough to allow drivers to go 11 to 12,000 miles before fill-ups. Wow, that's good. That's good? Isn't it? Well, but 7.4 gallons, when you fill it up, it's going to take a lot of stuff to put in there. Urea. Urea. <laughs> I didn't want to really say that too much, <laughs> but yes. Well, you could, Urea. Just, you could just bring your own. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> well, you already had the joke about the guy who was sucking out the sewage <laughs> okay. line. I don't know if you can just put any old stuff in there or not. And I don't know where you're going to be able to buy the stuff. But my recommendation, especially as we find that the prices of motorhomes right now is very, very low, that you might want to consider buying a motorhome in the in the near future if you're going to be considering it. Or a used one. <clears throat> or, yeah, or buy, definitely buy a used one. In that same vein, we do want to mention that uh, the 2010 uh, Towing Guide is available, and that came in the recent edition of T- uh, Trailer Life magazine. And, you know, this it tells you what uh, the towing capacities of all the vehicles that can do towing are, and it also has also good tips about uh, hitch applications and various uh, accessories, you know, sway bars and and reviews of the braking systems, techniques on how to hitch up and what kind of hitches there are. and It's just an overall good uh, package when you're talking about uh, uh, reconfiguring your tow vehicle and uh, getting it set for doing its job. There really is a lot to it. I remember you did a lot of research when we first started towing, and even then you made some mistakes. And certainly the whole issue... Because <laughs> I was a novice. Well, Come on, I remember yeah. that one time. It, yeah. You know. And you also don't think about uh, the weight of all the things you're going to put in and how those are yeah. distributed on the wheels and we had mm-hmm. problems with our leaf springs I remember. So. Yes, yes. So there's a lot to towing. It's not she just, remembers all this stuff. It's hmm. not just hitch up and go. <laughs> I think it's time for us to hear from some other voices. So uh, let's uh, go on off to the interview and we will uh, be back at the end. Well, dear listeners, uh, we are here with uh, another RVing couple, and we're very happy to introduce to you Grant and Donna, who have been uh, friends of ours for quite a while and are here in the Rio Valley, and their situation is a bit different than ours, whereas we kind of travel around and uh, have a a stick home back home. They are full-time RVers, uh, so maybe you could tell us a little bit how you came to being full-time RVers. We've actually been full-time on the road since January of 93. 93? 93. I didn't know it was that long. We pulled out of Wisconsin in January 93 and haven't looked back. And it was a a great move. We Uh really enjoyed it. Our first real RVing experience was in 84 Uh when I took a six-month sabbatical and we rented a fifth-wheel from really? a neighbor. Uh-huh. And we left the day Reagan was reelected, and we went south into Illinois. We went east over uh-huh. to the east coast. We worked down to Florida for the holidays where both our parents were, uh-huh. you know, Donna's and mine, Donna's mother and, and my mom and dad, for the holidays. And then when we left there, we just kind of followed the uh, southern boundary of the U.S., uh-huh. and we got as far as Napa Valley and California. Uh-huh. When we had to turn around because we had yeah. to be back to work. so we, Six months, only six, six months. months. Yeah. 
when we made the turnaround in California, Donna started boo-hooing. Oh. She didn't want to go home. No, not yet. <laughs> By the time we got into Wisconsin, we were both boo-hooing. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to mm-hmm. go home. So we got back, and we decided... That was that in 84, so another nine years. 84, yeah. yeah. 80, spring of 85 when we it's got back. when we uh-huh. returned. We ret- I returned to work in May of uh, 85. And so we decided at that time that um, we were going to put our nose to the grindstone and uh, pull the pin as soon as we uh, felt I comfortable doing it. I think you're the envy of hundreds of people who listen to this show. <laughs> it's been a good run, yeah. and I don't think we'd change it for anything. So you must have been to all 50 sta- all, well, 49 states. Can- we, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. We have RV'd in all 49 states you can uh, mm-hmm. drive to. We've been in every province and ter- territory of Canada, uh-huh. except for Inuvik, and they did that after we were yeah. up there. So, and we've been in all but three states in Mexico. In so you're not sitters? No. In fact, uh, for the first uh, 16 years, we were, were membership campers. And so we've uh-huh. all year, we would, you know, a week Rotate or two between, weeks uh, or whatever. Now, we spent several winters in Florida. And when we did that, we belonged to You had a house at this time? When, no. No, we sold the so house in 93 when we left. We sold everything. We had a estate sale. Uh-huh. Uh, they were called finders keepers, uh-huh. and they came in for a week, priced oh, yeah, everything in name. the house. Yeah. And we came in the day after. Well, it was a Saturday full price, Sunday half price. Monday, a picker came and took yeah. the rest. And when we walked in Monday afternoon, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. There is nothing left, left. not even a cobweb. They had wiped the windowsills down so and vacuumed. And unfortunately, the house didn't sell until May. And, and you uh, had an RV at that time that you... We had purchased, after we did our, our six months mm-hmm. uh, sabbatical, we came back, and we purchased a small 26-foot fifth wheel, uh-huh. which we used for weekends. When we left Wisconsin... In 93, we still had that unit. We yeah, were looking yeah. to upgrade, but we also had had an, a Peace Corps application, oh. in, and we didn't want to do anything. And uh-huh. uh, as it happened, we ended up having three different recruiters, and it just didn't work out for sure. us to get a call, And uh, which was lucky because uh, we, it would have been a three-year commitment. And yeah. this, the second year... Donna's mother took ill uh-huh. in 95, and we ended up caring for her when she died of cancer. Uh-huh. So we were able to park the RV in the mm-hmm. parking lot of the retirement center she was in. And, uh-huh. you know, and, and, and lived there with her almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, for I, yeah I stayed in the apartment. Grant stayed in yeah. the coach. Yeah, we've heard of many RVers who really find that nice. And, yeah. and even hospitals have actual places yes. for they RVers. Do. Unfortunately, he had no power or oh, hookups, so... He'd come up and shower in Mom's apartment in the morning, and but it it wasn't real long. So, so you guys over the years seem to have stuck with the fifth wheel. Yes. Rather than moving to what most people do, and that would be a Class A. Yeah. And the reason, and you uh, have a really tell us about your. I mean, you have a rig that's really amazing. Yeah. To die for. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when we. I got rid of the 26 and moved up 26 foot. We bought a 94 Travel Supreme, and uh-huh. we the year trailer trailer, uh, yeah. trailer, trailer or fifth, fifth wheel. Fifth wheel. It was 36 foot. Or 36 oh, foot. Yeah. yeah, excuse me. And we had not the one you have now. No, it's not the one we had now. And 
Actually, the summer before we retired in 92, we took a week off and we went down to Elkhart and we toured factories. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's when we first came across Travel, Travel Supreme, Supreme because they were a fairly young company mm-hmm. at, at that time. We had also gone out to Omaha, Nebraska and, uh, and toured Horizons. Avion. And after doing the, the Elkhart trip, we knew Travel Supreme was... But no thought of a motorhome. No, no. And uh, so we went, to, we bought the 36-foot, and it was a 94 model, and it had two slide-outs. And we didn't well, that get a, was uh, early for yeah, the slides. Yeah. yeah, and we didn't get a 40-foot because it had a triple axle, and I didn't think I wanted the extra axle. And, so, and that was our downfall. That was our downfall. <laughs> Consequently, uh, because of the weight, we ended up putting the third axle on a- afterwards. You put and, on a yeah, third axle? Yeah, which was the right thing to do. I mean, it it handled so much better, and uh, uh-huh. we had tire problems, as many people, as people did. Uh-huh. In in those early years, yes. there were uh, a lot of a lot of problems with the with the trailer tires. In '95, Travel Supreme came out with three slides uh-huh. and a wide body. And a wide body. Ooh. You don't think five inches makes a lot of difference, but when you live in one of these, yeah. uh, all you have to do is walk in the door. And, and a big you, slide, too. You, you know, so so we toyed with, you know, can you add a third slide? No, you can't do that. You, you know, asked what, them if they could add it yeah. to your... <laughs> so, uh, so we had the 90, uh, or 94 model until uh, September of 2000 uh-huh. when we again stayed with the fifth wheel. We went to a 43-foot, 42 Foot. Actually, before that, Country. we had a one-ton dually, and yeah, you when have we blew to have the third transmission, we knew transmission. it was time oh. for a bigger truck. So we did get the international before. I mean, that's what's very impressive about your rig is the whole outfit. Is yes, yeah. Well, we got the the medium-duty truck in '98. We still had the '94, which looks like an Supreme. 18-wheeler. Yes, tractor. yeah. It's a small yeah. tractor. Yeah. We looked at the motorhomes and. You have to remember, for one thing, slide-outs were didn't come to motorhomes. Didn't come to motorhomes until you know late uh-huh. in the, in the 90s, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. early uh, 2000s yeah, even. Early, you know, yeah. we liked the fact that when we pull in and set up, it was kind of like home. Uh-huh. The motorhome always seemed a little more mobile to us, uh-huh. and. I think it fits a, a lifestyle of movers, uh-huh. you know, at that point. Yes. Now with the slide-outs and yeah. stuff, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different, different bug. Either way, you have two engines. You know, yeah, you got right, a towed right, or, right. You, you know, yeah. you have a tow vehicle. Right. Now we have two yeah, engines, yeah. plus we have a vehicle because we tow a car sure. uh, behind. And that, that must be interesting. Now, most people wouldn't think of towing a car behind their fifth wheel. We've been doing it since 03 uh-huh. when we got our first car, and we've uh, towed pretty much over most of the country. Uh, we've only had problems in... In Minnesota, on Interstate 90. Problem meaning? Well, uh, hi- not really problem, not just really for problem. stop. I mean, a highway patrolman stopped and said, you can't do that in Minnesota. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, if you're towing double, uh, your center unit can't be longer than 28 feet. And you're longer oh, than really? 28 feet. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. So he said, where are you headed? Home, because we're licensed in South Dakota. Yeah. And we and were headed, we were headed to for South, South Dakota. Dakota. So... He said, well, I'm not going to bother you, but... So that is a law. 
some point. Well, it's an interpretation, you know, I think in, in a lot of areas. You know, a lot of times they look at RVs as being excluded uh-huh. and from the commercial yes, yes, you know, rules. Yeah. It's, it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. You know, if any time you can catch an officer having a bad day, yeah, yeah. You, can get you could be the brunt of that of that bad day. As I hear about the customizing you did on your previous one, you must have done a lot of customizing to this new Travel Supreme. Oh, yes, yeah. So what have you done to it? Yeah. Well, so you bought it in 02, or I mean, we bought it, we, uh, we bought it in 2000. We took triple axle, triple axle, 43 feet. Foot. How much does it weigh? Weighed 18.5 coming out of the factory. Uh-huh. Out of the factory. Yeah. What? Loaded, it weighs about 24. The truck weighs about 13, and the car uh-huh. weighs 3. So, yeah. you know, we're a, right, we're a train. Similar. Right. So what kind of customizing did you, have you done to this? Guy? Well, uh, that's one of the reasons we like Travel Supreme, mm-hmm. and we feel very badly that they didn't survive this yeah, economic yeah. Uh, downturn. We were thinking of 40-foot when we went in and met with uh-huh. Bob at the factory to kind of do some of the final design work and stuff. Problem was is we wanted the double-door refrigerator, we wanted sure. the closet, and we wanted the pantry. And they all are, as you come in uh-huh. the door in our rig, and in the 40-foot floor plan, you had to give up one or the other. Uh-huh. You had to go with the regular size refrigerator or eliminate oh, the pantry yeah, yeah. or the closet. Yeah, which is what we had to give up. Yeah. So what happened was is when we were there, we went out to walk through the factory. Tour <laughs> they, around. Did, they didn't make a 43-foot. Well, they were making 43s. They had them going down the line. And we said, well, what's that? Yeah. We said, well, a couple of them were going overseas. A couple were being made for uh, carnival oh, and, uh, workers. Uh, workers. And most of them are done in a, in a two-bedroom floor plan. Two-bedroom? You know, and we thought, well, geez, that'd be kind of neat because then you got an office and yeah, a craft yeah, room yeah. and, you know, and yeah. whatever. The problem is is when you start looking at the engineering in the floor plans, to get that 8-foot room in the back, even in a 43-foot, you're giving up space out of the kitchen. You're giving oh, sure. up yeah, space out of the living area. You're giving up yeah. space out of the bathroom. Eight feet you know. brings it down to a 35-foot. Yeah. Yeah. So then we said, uh, Bob, we said, well, what if we just took the 40-foot floor plan and expanded it a little bit in the 43-foot because one of the other things was it was a criteria for us. We liked the TV at eye level. Sure you do. Not yeah, not, and they were putting them on oh, the floor at that oh. point. Well, almost. Almost. Yeah. And it was a new end cap that year, and they weren't sure if they had enough space uh-huh. to raise yes. the TV up because we're dealing before the TVs, <laughs> we're yeah, dealing yeah, before yeah. the flat panels where you got a yeah, TV yeah. that's two foot deep, you sure, know, or yeah. whatever. And the other criteria was a dishwasher. <laughs> so I wanted that in the. 94 and didn't get it. Grant said he would do dishes, but they weren't always done in a timely manner. So <laughs> we won't get into that. I said, it's either a dishwasher, if I have, have to make a choice, yeah. it's a dishwasher or a toilet. Well, I have both. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's what we did. They ended up, they added a foot in the rear of the coach. Uh-huh. That gave us enough room for the depth for the TV and get it up mm-hmm. at the heights we want. Gave room for a, a nice desk, you know, yeah, set up. Yeah, and, yeah. and our floor plan is uh, uh, what they call the rear lounge, where you have uh, the entertainment center is in the rear. Uh, not like a lot of the newer floor plans now. And then we got uh, another two feet in the kitchen, 
which gave us the yeah. room for the dishwasher. The, dish, the dishwasher. It also gave us the room for the full-size double-door refrigerator. We got a pantry that uh, you know, was, a, was a foot deep and a, yeah. and a coat closet. And Donna got an extra bank of cabinets in the kitchen then uh-huh. with that stretch, which then we went back to having the range with the cook oven with uh-huh. the cooktop where he, she had originally thought we'd just get a convection and just have the, the cooktop surface. But as long as we had the extra space, yeah. it was cheaper to just get the standard. Because and Travel they Supreme didn't give you any hassle? No, really. no, no. As long as you wanted to pay, they did yeah. They would build it. They, they wanted, would build it. Yeah, so that, 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 that's that was something to nice, consider when you're. Yeah, when you're looking that was around. the nice thing about it. And so we did that. We got the you know the double pane windows, and sure. we got the insulated wrap, extra mm-hmm. wrap around, and you know we got the heavier axles and, and yeah, tires, yeah. and you know which we have now upgraded again. Mm-hmm. So more recently, now you have uh, come to the valley and purchased. We so what's the story purchased an RV lot that um, is at Rotama Village in Mission, and it, the RV lots come with a 12 by 20 coach house. But this isn't part of your membership thing? No. No, we own the lot. Uh-huh. What brought you to, to come to make that decision? Well, probably price um, in the valley. Here it's much cheaper than Florida or Arizona or yeah. California. But, but what in your lifestyle caused you to want to do this you got to remember we retired in 93 yeah yeah <laughs> i was 50 donna, donna was 48 yeah. so you know we're i'm 67 yeah. the last i'd say five years uh-huh. six years as we traveled around uh-huh. we've been kind of looking for I'm a more. spot in a way a place maybe. to sit for the winter yeah. uh, one of the things you know that as you travel in the membership system and even not traveling in the membership system just if you're traveling in the winter it's tough yes because you have to have reservations made ahead of time right. you know everybody in canada everybody yep. in the u.s is in you know uh, southern california or arizona or texas, florida, florida or texas, texas. Yeah. you yeah. know and so in the summertime we're all got, spread all right, over right, the right. You know, rest of the country and the rest of Canada. And we had spent most of our winters in Florida because of my parents being there and Anna's uh-huh. mom being down there initially. And then, of course, you make a lot of friends. And sure. we always stayed in two campgrounds. And during the, the winter, we would bounce every uh-huh. two weeks, about 20 miles <laughs> because apart. Because of the membership. Because of the membership, yeah. yeah. And with that, you know, we didn't pay anything. No, uh, we paid our annual dues and we paid zero a night. And we liked the membership system. Yeah. And, and we probably spent spent on an average nine months in the membership uh-huh. system or ten in in uh-huh. all of those years. I mean well, you couldn't always so get it but definite benefit from but it. But it, it's a benefit. Plus Everybody that's in that system basically is in the same position you're in. Generally retired, so you see people in California that you met so in which Florida. Are you a of? We're a member of Thousand Trails, uh-huh. our primary, and then we have ROD. Uh, ROD. We have a resort. So everything. Yeah, RPI, AOR. Uh-huh. 
And then passport we use uh, yeah, but use, use also yeah. occasionally. But, Passing through. But um, Thousand Trails is our, <laughs> I mean, it's a good system, and we, we've really got a lot of use out of it. Mm-hmm. And made a lot of good friends, you know, doing that. So but, that wasn't viable then down here in Texas? Yeah, most of them are up San Antonio mm-hmm. and uh, Houston, up towards uh, Dallas. And we had... We spent three winters, I think, in Southern California in the Palm Springs area. We really liked that area. We did look at uh, property out there, but it was three times the money mm. that was here in the valley. Yeah. Uh, we liked Arizona, uh, Casa Grande area. Yeah, yeah. And we've spent some time there, and we liked Verde Valley, which is a little higher oh. elevation up, you know, south of Sedona, but a little too cool it, in the winter. Cool. We spent, we have spent Christmas and New Year's up there, uh-huh. and and it did thousand, snow at Thousand <laughs> Trails again. You know, the the price of property uh-huh. was. From two to three get. times, and that was the same thing when we looked in Florida. You know, anything that we liked mm-hmm. was, you know, you were pushing the hundred thousand dollar, you know, yeah. area for for nothing, yeah, other than a, a slab. For yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So a place a place to park. First time we were in the valley was when uh-huh. we did that sabbatical. You know, uh, in '84 yeah. we came through. We had not been back to South Texas until we met you guys uh, to go on the caravan, caravan to. Uh, mm-hmm. Mexico. Yucatan. Yeah. That was our first time. Yeah. And that was our first time back, mm-hmm. you know, and down here. And we had friends that were down here mm-hmm. from our group that we fished and camped yeah, and golfed yeah. with. It's a destination. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. When we came back from that trip uh, to the Yucatan, we were stayed with friends in, in Mission or in the park that they're in. One of the couples that was with us was in uh, Benson Palm Village, and we went to visit them. And we pulled into our yeah. development by mistake, and all there was was roads and there uh, uh-huh. and a gate and about a, two or three rigs parked up, uh-huh. you know, in the front. So then uh, we went next door and, and we asked, and they said, "Oh, that's you know, they're selling lots there." Uh-huh. You know, well, we didn't think anything more about it, and so then we thought, well. Marker and was going in Marker, the dumper? Well, it wasn't in the dumper yet. Yeah. It was in October of 07 when uh-huh. it, where it was hitting the high. So we made the deal on the lot and drew some money out and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and purchased a lot. But it's been a good move. Yeah. Last year we were here for six months, and uh, it was... It was good, and so now the, the the last phase of this is that you've you're just completing a house on it. Well, our <laughs> well, the down here, twelve by twenty building that's on the lot uh-huh. um, came with a concrete floor and studs uh-huh. on the inside. So, and that's how they all come. That's how they all come. Uh-huh. So we just put a tiled walk-in shower and picked up an antique little hutch in um, Thermopolis, Wyoming. Turned that into uh-huh. a, a wash stand and put our sink in it that we bought oh, in neat, neat. Mexico, our copper sink. Oh, so you, is, okay. and you have storage and stuff like that so that you can keep uh, things in? With the cupboards. But and you have guests, is that? Well, we're going to. Uh-huh. The, that's the, the idea? The end, that's, and, the, that's the idea. Y- yes. And, you know, hopefully yeah, some family friendly. and friends yeah. will come. It'll, it'll have a height of bed, and it's got a little bar sink cabinet area we'll have a microwave and coffee pot and mm-hmm. you know that, that some bookcases bookcases and, and that little storage and then i have a utility room that since we have a washer and dryer in our rig a lot of people put the washer uh-huh. and dryer in the, sure. in the coach house we plumbed it for that but that's a storage closet you know. 
So six months a year you're going to spend there in round numbers? Yeah, about that, five, yeah, yeah, six yeah. months a year at this yeah, point. A lot of people come down here for that kind of time. I yeah. don't think that that's right. unreasonable right. at all. The other thing that we, I should say, people really appreciate our business. They sure you know, do. That's, we've yeah. talked about that. Yeah. whole different ball game. Right. I mean, they're glad to see you come, right. and they're sorry to see you leave. Right. They they appreciate you, you being here. Every day. Right. Yep. And it, you don't get that feeling in the other no, three don't. spots, in, the warm spots no. in the country. It's like... The joke. You're a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just yeah. the pain. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, we do. We definitely agree with you 100 percent on that one. Are you planning on changing your uh, your permanent address from South Dakota to Texas? No. 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 Not at not at this point. There's a couple reasons for that. We've been permanent residents of South Dakota since '98. Uh, uh-huh. When we bought the big truck, at that point we had been registered in Wyoming the first four years yeah. that we were uh, retired and on the road, and we ended up with Wyoming through a series of incidents that basically came down to health insurance. Because uh-huh. when you're 50 years old and you retire yeah. and you're self-employed, to get health insurance at a reasonable rate, and because I'd had sinus surgery the year we retired, and Don had had an elevated mm-hmm. liver test, and it was just enough of yeah. a red flag. Yeah. To throw things up. So we were down to a choice between Nevada and Wyoming, and we ended up with Wyoming because they had a risk pool, Nevada uh-huh. didn't. Now, people want to know why we didn't choose Texas or Florida, sure. which are the main retirement areas. Uh, the thing that we found when we started running in, in insurance Wait. rates, uh, Texas address was double on a really? health premium. And the Florida address was 50% more wow. than what the Wisconsin address was where we uh-huh, were uh-huh. getting the insurance at that time. We ended so up there. Wyoming, Wisconsin, yeah. similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how we ended up with Wyoming. And they had a mail service there. think and, about keeping Wisconsin? Uh, no. Wisconsin is a wonderful state, good place <laughs> to live and work, but they like your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's no income tax. Yeah. And when we bought the big truck... In 98, we had that year starting to see a lot of South Dakota plates in the campgrounds yeah, yeah, around think so. and talking with people. Um, started to, to see that they were RV friendly. Well, when I called uh, Wyoming to register the big truck, they wanted $1,100 for the tags. <laughs> Plus six and a half percent sales tax. Are they charging at commercial rates? Yeah. <laughs> Something. No. Whatever. That's just it. So we were headed for South Dakota. And I thought, well, we'll just wait until we get there. So we got out to Parkston where we stay when we're there, which uh-huh. is south of Mitchell. Well, we went down to the county seat in Hutchison <laughs> County, which is Olivet. And the only thing in Olivet is the courthouse and the post office and one law office. Uh-huh. You can't buy a cup of coffee. You can't buy really? a gallon of gas. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked into the treasurer's office and I said, uh, how much to uh, get a license and register this truck? She went over to the computer and came back and she said it would be $89 for the tags (laughs) and and 3% excise tax, they Mm -hmm. call it there or whatever. So I said... Which is a one-shot deal. Yeah, yeah. And it was on the cash difference, you know, between our trade and whatever, so... We're from South Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) Insurance rates are very good in South Dakota. Uh There's no personal income tax. 
and they're they're RV friendly. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're, and they're looking for people. Yeah, they're they're RV friendly, and so to answer your question, to get back to the to the move to Texas, we're not ready to make that make that change yet. We know that number one, our insurance rates would go up. Mm. Uh, the taxes yeah. on our our lot would go down. I think. Yeah, we could get we could homestead our lot. Uh-huh. We could save a little bit on the real estate taxes, but uh, it's not quite a wash yet at this uh-huh. point. We'll probably make that change at, at some, some point, point uh-huh. but we're not ready to yet. It's been very fascinating talking to you. You have an interesting story, and I'm sure our listeners uh, appreciate hearing it. So thank you, and uh, have a, a good travel adventure. You're welcome. Well, thanks, Donna and Grant. Very nice of you to chat with us about your lifestyle here in the Valley. And uh, I think that kind of does it for this month's edition of the RV Navigator. And we will be uh, passing it along to next month and hoping to hear from you at navigator at rvnavigator.com or at our phone number. Which Which is 815-230-0700. Seven two, and next month we will be on the road again. Um, this month we haven't even started the the big diesel, but uh, we will be on the road again as if we it travel. Starts, we will be on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Should I have started it this month? Yeah, I was wondering that because we had trouble leaving home. Mm. Well, it isn't cold here. No, and the batteries have been charged. And we've been plugged in. So I should have no trouble starting it, but good. you'll get a full report about that next, next month. month. <laughs> and, and, of course, we will be uh, giving you the down and dirty about Big Bend National Park, where a park that you really have to want to go to. It's nowhere near anything. But it's supposed to be scenic and beautiful, so, so we stay hear. tuned. This is Ken, your RV Navigator, signing off for now. And Martha, the co-pilot, bidding you adieu and hoping to see you at a campground near us. 